Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, guys, listen, we're starting this series that we're calling Healthy Relationships, Myth or Reality. And when I look at every interaction of my life, and when I talk to you, and throughout meetings that I have throughout the week, and, and when, I, when I begin to discuss um, different issues in people's lives, what I realize is that really everything uh, that causes friction, anxiety, trouble, anger, usually is connected to this thing called a relationship. It really is. I, the reason why I wanted to do this series is, one, it's February, and since this is the love month, I thought it would be good to do something about relationships that we're just not talking about romance. But one of the other reasons what really motivated me to do this is right after the holidays, I was sitting at Starbucks, I was studying, and uh, there was these, these two women who were talking, and one of them was she was upset, man. She was going to town about her holiday experience with her family and that someone came in and, and there was this disagreement that happened. And she's talking about it happened in the kitchen and life was going crazy and this person was upset and this person was mad and this person, they were going to stay but they left and they went and stayed at a hotel and, and she was telling me all these things. Now, keep in mind, I had my headphones in but I didn't have music on. <laughs> so I heard the whole conversation. And what I saw and felt in her heart is this deep desire for her relationships and her family to be healthy. There was this deep desire for things to be harmonious. And there was this deep desire, even in her own heart, like her whole holiday season was blown up because of a breakdown in relationships. And so this is what I know. You can meet all kinds of people who have all kinds of success. They can have money. They can have fame. They can have pleasure, they can travel and go wherever they want, but if they're in the middle of a relational conflict, if they're in the middle of a divorce, if they're estranged to one of their children or an in-law, or no matter what's going on, if there is some conflict in their relationships, they are not enjoying life. Would you agree with that? Relationships is this, this thing that we deal with in our lives. And so the purpose of this series is to help us be able to have some keys on how to have a healthy relationship. So today is a bit of an intro into the next few weeks that we're going to be talking about this. But also I want to know, when I say relationships, I'm just not talking about romance. Which so many times you think, oh great, I'm not married or I'm not, you know, this doesn't pertain to me. Actually, this will pertain to you. I'm talking about everything in our lives that has to do with somebody else in our lives. So a friendship, family, co-workers, church friends, teachers, um, people you go to school with, your kids' teachers, your pastor, another generation. No matter what that may be, there is a relationship to be navigated. So in reality, you could probably say this. There would be no problems in my life if my life didn't have any other people in it. <laughs> amen. I got an amen down in the front row. <laughs> Sitting next to your wife. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Give me a call, brother. We'll talk later. 
Because it's all based around relationships. And so here's the other thing. How in the world are we supposed to have healthy relationships when we are broken and we live in a broken world? We have brokenness in our hearts. We have all kinds of backgrounds, all types of experiences that have shaped us, who we are, how we process, how we interact with people, how we talk to people. Actually, and actually, here's the reality, is all of these things shape what we would probably call our life goal or our life ambition. And our life goal, goal is the very thing that we live for. It's how we filter everything, which includes our relationships. And that life goal has been shaped by other relationships. And that life goal that's been shaped by other dysfunctional relationships, we apply to other relationships in our life, and they can become dysfunctional. So whether it was shaped by somebody else, by something else, by maybe your success, maybe a failure, maybe a life experience, but all of these things of the aspiration and the ambition of your life is shaped by something. So the question is this, what is your aspiration in life? And there's a reason why I'm asking this question. And so if you could fill in the blank that you have there on your notes, what is your aspiration? What would you say? Would you say my aspiration is success? I want to be successful. Or maybe for some of you, I just want to be right. That's really all that matters to me. Which is true. You're just too proud to write that down there. Maybe your aspiration is happiness. I just, I just want to be happy. Or maybe it's security. If I could just be secure, then, then everything's going to be okay. Maybe your, your ambition and aspiration is life is fun. You just want to have fun. I was thinking of a Cindy Lauper song, but I won't go there. It's okay. <laughs> maybe it's acceptance. So everything you do, you, you need to be accepted in, or approval or perfection or to make time or, to, sorry, to make, make a name for yourself. Or maybe to be recognized, that's really what you're after. Or maybe not to fail, so everything you do is, is shifted around so you can't fail or no one else knows you're failing. So how you answer this question, whatever you would write in that blank that you have there on your notes, determines your dominant life aspiration, ambition, and how you approach your relationships. Everybody has a driving force, whether you know it or not. Or not. Your dominant life ambition is what you, you refer to unconsciously every day when you have multiple choices and you have to make a decision. That, that is the filter of what happens. And so if my ambition is in life is security, then I'm always going to make a choice that makes me feel the safest or the least risky. If my ambition in life or aspiration in life is comfort, then then I'm going to do everything I can to avoid pain. I will always choose the path of least resistance, which also happens in relationships. My life aspiration or ambition is fun, then when when I get one or two or three choices on what to do or where to go, or maybe even if you thought about the Super Bowl party, you thought, which one would I have the most fun at? It didn't matter who was going to be there. What mattered was where you were going to have the most fun. And matter of fact, those who are motivated by fun or even any of them, you will compromise what really matters over fun. If, If your ambition or aspiration in life is to be recognized, then what you will do, you will tend to choose things and lean into things where you realize you will get the most recognition. And even so, you will neglect things that are important to lean into something that you can get more recognition at. 
This ambition, this whole thing for individuals is how we filter all of our relationships. So the million-dollar question is this. What does the Bible say about what my life ambition should be? And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to begin talking from a negative standpoint, basically this. A life without loving, what, what would it look like? And a lot of times I try to approach it from the positive side. So life with loving looks like this. But the scripture is very clear on how it lays out life without love in your life, what it looks like. And so the Bible says this about what your ambition should be, and I already gave it away to you, is in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says this, let everything you do be done in love. Let's read this together. Let everything you do be done in love. Love is to be the motivation. It's to be the ambition. It's to be what we aspire to in every area of our life but especially our relationships. And so let's look. I want to look just quickly at the effects of a life lived without loving is number one. This is what it is. Your words without love will be unproductive. A life lived without love is that your words without love are unproductive. And so we're going to walk through 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. And when I say love, I say love chapter. (laughs) Because this is read at probably 90% of weddings, if not higher. When When someone says, what is love like? Everyone goes to 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul, who's writing this church in Corinthians is addressing issues of relationship, how they interact with one another. Now, there are a lot of different truths in here, but I'm going to approach it from the standpoint of these relationships. And so, a life lived without love is first. You have words without love are unproductive. First Corinthians 1.13 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He was not complimenting anyone on the cymbal playing here. This is not what he was saying. What he was saying was this, is that when you speak and use words without love as your ambition, without love as your aspiration, you are a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And how many here love to be around noisy gongs and clanging cymbals? None of us do. None of us like to, to it, it's sharp, it, you're, it scares you. I, it, I, have you ever been around a band and they'll be marching along and, and that, that, that guy or gal who's holding those things just out of nowhere just, and it just freaks you out. Like that's what he's talking about here. They're abrasive. So if you don't have love at the foundation of your life and your relationships, your words are going to be unproductive. So here's then the question. What do your words do to other people in your relationships? I mean, these words, it's the most powerful things that we have. Everything we learn, everything that we know, everything that we communicate, everything that we, everything that we are is this thing called words. If you think about it, it's kind of weird. Like your, your air passes through vocal cords that makes weird sounds. Your tongue shapes them into syllables and somehow we all understand each other. That's crazy. 
But that's what God's given us. When we read the Bible, they are words that communicate a message. And our words hold power. The power of life and death are in the tongue. What do your words do to other people? After you leave a conversation with someone, do your words build them up? Or do your words tear them down? Are your words masked in the the air Christian quotes of, I just tell it like it is? Because you love yourself and you love to be right, or is it really because you actually love people? This is what Paul was dealing with in the church. Words without love, the Bible says, are nothing. And that's a, that's a hit that Paul has, has given us and given the church. Number two, life lived without loving. What Paul talks about is this in our relationships. Is number two, knowledge without love is incomplete. It, isn't, it, it, it doesn't give the results you want. It's incomplete. It falls short. And Paul is talking to them. He's talking to them about the gifts of the Spirit, but he's not just addressing the gifts of the Spirit. He's addressing the arrogance and the attitude of the heart. And he writes this in 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If you have the gift of prophecy and you can fathom, I mean, he's like, and you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, he's speaking very exaggerative here. But do not have love. Read this with me. I am nothing. So love's kind of a big deal. So wait a minute. He's, he's even, he's elevating love over everything else. He's elevating love. It doesn't matter about what you do. It's the heart in which you do it. So many people, they elevate the gift of knowledge or wisdom over, hear me for a second, they elevate that over the nature and the character of the one who gave it to them. When I, you know, I I went to Baba College, and, and in Baba College, you've got a lot of zealous people, and it's great. I was one of them. But man, they were the most... We were the most nasty of people. We could tear somebody, rip them up, up one side, down the other, all using the Bible. We could make someone feel like a, a failure, an idiot, no good, scoundrel. And, well, brother, I'm just reading Scripture to you. We didn't have love. And it was nothing. Paul says, without love, we're nothing. You can be the smartest, most brilliant. You can memorize and quote the New Testament forwards and backwards. You can know Greek. You can know Hebrew. You can be a a walking Bible program. You can answer all the questions. But Paul says, it doesn't matter without love. I heard someone say, many Christians, they have a lot of biblical principles, but they have no prince. You can be prophetic, you can be discerning, but if your gifting is not rooted in love, 
what happens is you become suspicious. And then you think that suspicion is from the Lord. And then you go and share it with your prayer group about that suspicion that the Lord gave you. But really it's a prophetic gift. But really you're just gossiping and slandering someone else. Because you're not rooted in love. God wants us to be rooted in his love. Knowledge and spiritual giftings, they are important. They are good. But without love, the Bible says, listen to what, not Pastor Jason, listen to what the Bible says. It says, they or I am nothing. Number three, a life lived without love. You guys with me today? A little quiet, just want to make sure we're all in this together here. Number three is this, life lived without love is, is this, our faith without love is inadequate. Not enough. It, it, faith without love is inadequate. 1 Corinthians 13.2, we're just walking through these, these scriptures. It says this, if I have faith, I mean look at this, if I have faith that can move mountains, I want some of that faith. I do. But do not have love. Read this with me. I am nothing. Most people who have a gift of faith, and I I would say there are times in my life I felt like God has gave me the gift of faith. I've never moved a mountain. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's an area that I can believe in God for things. Most people think, man, if I have a gift of faith, they would say, no, I'm I'm, I'm something. I have this gift. I'm something. Paul says, the Bible says, God says, if you don't have love, you're nothing. I believe Paul was dealing with this arrogance in a church, pride. People were consumed with performance and maybe even programs that they missed the whole point. They were so frustrated over things weren't going this way. Or they were trying to say, my program's better than yours. And my, my group is better than your group. And my Sunday school class is better than your Sunday school class. And my, you know, well, my, you know, my, this teaching is better than that teaching. And that gift's better than that gift's. And he's like, what is going on? Where's the love, baby? That's what he was saying. He didn't say baby, but that's what he was saying. Where's the love? You guys see this. In other words, these people weren't thinking about other people. They were thinking about what they wanted, what they needed. That's not love. And how many people know this, that a relationship where individuals only think of themselves isn't a real fun relationship to be in. It just isn't. You don't really want to hang out with those people very much. But you get around someone who's like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life that actually love you? Man, I can hang out with them all day long. And so essentially Paul was saying this, uh, so what? You've got the faith that can put a, a mountain and can move a mountain. This is, this is, in the Greek, this is what it says. Whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> so what? 
you don't have love. So you're nothing. Faith is important, but without love, Paul says it's nothing. Number four, life lived without loving is this. Giving is when you give without love. It's insignificant. Giving without love is insignificant. If if you're not living this life of love, Paul writes in verse 3 out of the same chapter and verse, he says, if I give all I possess to the poor, but do not have love, read this with me, I am nothing. That's what Paul's saying. And what he's saying is I can give everything away. I can empty my bank account, but not have love. So how can giving not be loving? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it can be done in selfish motives. It happens all the time. Many people have different reasons. And they have different, different ambitions on why they give. Again, if they're filtering it through the wrong ambition. Some people give for prestige. Some people give to be known. Some people give to buy their way into a place of influence. Some people give to be recognized or for power or to control someone or something that happens all the time in parenting. Whether you, you, you give to control your kids or you, even you give to control your adult kids to keep them from moving away, to, to keep them from going off the rails, to, to keep them from doing something. You, you control things with, with giving and money. You keep them dependent on you. You're giving, but it's not out of love. It's out of control. You can give out of obligation. You can give out of guilt. But just because you give, it doesn't mean you're doing it in love. And there's a quote. We've, I've, I've heard it a lot. It says this, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Giving is an, is, is, should be an expression of our love to God, an expression of our love to the kingdom, an expression of our love to one another. Paul's saying just because you give, it doesn't mean you're doing it because of love. And a life without living, number five, is this, is that accomplishment without love is self-serving. There's nothing wrong with accomplishment, nothing wrong with success. I believe that God desires that for us. I believe God gifts people and anoints them and calls them to be successful. I I really do. I see it happen. People in our own church, it's just God blesses them. They're successful. Why? Because they're operating in love. They're generous. They're doing it because they love God. And this happens. I don't know why some people who don't even know God are successful. But what I do know, there's nothing wrong with accomplishments. But accomplishment without love is self-serving. Paul, Paul is talking in verse 3. He goes on to say this. If I give over my body to hardship that I may boast. In other words, it's an accomplishment. It's something to be proud of. But do not have love. I gain nothing. In other words, we can rack up our our list of of all kinds of stuff, of achievements, of of letters after our names. We can succeed. I mean, people, they can write about me and put a plaque somewhere about me. 
Paul even says, I could even sacrifice my life for the greatest cause in the world, the kingdom of God. But without love, it doesn't matter. And, I, and here's the deal. The point of these verses are, are about relationships, are more important. What he's saying, relationships are more important than accomplishments. Success without love is empty. And one day, one day, we're going to stand and we're going to give an audit for how we lived our lives. And God's not going to ask you how many accomplishments you made. He's not going to ask you what, what you did. He's, he's going to ask you, did you obey me and did you love? Paul communicates this powerful thought for us to follow. Everything I say, everything I give, everything I do, all that I know, all these things only have a value if my ambition is love. Life lived without loving, according to the Bible, is nothing. And there's no more significant topic than this when we're beginning a series on relationships. Because this whole idea of love, this whole idea, a lot of times we, we can be very prescriptive if you do this and do this and do this, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the root of all of this is what is at the root of why we're doing any of it? The Bible says this, Colossians 3.14, most of all, let love be your guide. So how? The question today is how do we let love be our guide? How do I, how do, I do it then? And so we read this, we think, okay, I get it. So when I, when I think, when, when, I, when I feel love, when I have the emotion of love, or when love makes me, inspires me, then I'll do it when I feel it in my heart, then I'll do it. It'll, that'll never work. Because love is not an emotion. We think it is. It, it feels like one because we do feel it at times. But really we feel the effects of love when we choose to love. Love affects emotion, love, love creates emotion, love shapes our hearts as we love, but love is not an emotion. I remember in college, when, in, in Baba College, and you, you, know, you have all these people who are dating all through college, and I remember these people, man, they, they were, I mean, in, in Baba College you get people from all spectrums, like you get people who, I mean, just stepped off the street, got saved. In Bible college, you have a person, and they have a lot of growing. You got a person who grew up in a pastor's home, and they have a lot of growing to do as well. But they come together, and they're like, yes, but I, I'm in love. When I'm with them, I, I can't breathe. I, when I'm with them, I see stars. When I'm with them, I, I just, my, I, my skin just tickles. No, I don't know, you know. When I'm with them, I, the, the, the Michael, the archangel appeared to me, and he said, and I I know he said, I, I am in love. I, I get dizzy. I, my stomach hurts. And you think, well, listen, you can get the same feeling if a horse kicks you in the head, but it doesn't mean it's love. It doesn't mean it's love. <laughs> Parents, you can use that one with your kids. You go right ahead. The fact is, we all need some lessons. What does the Bible say about love? Because we live in a dysfunctional world where most people really don't know what love is. We grow up with models of love that, that are broken, that aren't perfect. 
We learn from broken people. We learn from, let's just be honest, movies. We learn from, from magazines. We learn from the Hallmark Channel. That's funny. But what, what does love look like? The Bible is very practical. I'm going to read to you guys what love looks like. I'm, 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 I want to read it to you. I want you just to look at these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It doesn't pin them to the wall. It doesn't expose their, their faults and doesn't shake its finger at them and tell them how terrible they are. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. It doesn't remind you three months from now what you did seven months ago. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. That's what love is. Notice that every one of these is a choice. It's a choice to be patient. It's a choice to be kind. It's a choice I'm not going to envy. It's a choice not to boast. It's a choice to humble yourself and not be proud. It's a choice I'm going to shut my mouth because I'm about to dishonor someone in my life. It's a choice not to be self-seeking, all about me, what I want. It's a choice I'm not going to get angry. It's a choice not to bring up things of the past. It's a choice not to delight in evil, but to rejoice with the truth. So number one, what does love look like? Love is a choice. It's a choice. If you remember one thing from today, this is what I want you to remember. Love is a choice. There's a thought that, that somehow love is, is, is like a hole in the ground. And you just walk along and, I just fell in love. <laughs> I didn't see it. But listen, love doesn't force you. It doesn't trick you. It doesn't push you. It's a choice. And the same people that say I've fallen in, the, in love with the same people that say I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. You don't fall out of love. You choose not to love. It's your choice. You choose to love. You choose not to love. And I know there are some biblical guidelines in the areas of marriage and the areas that, that of, of a divorce and they're, they're very clear in Scripture is what they, what they are. And, if, and that's something we, you have to wrestle with and walk through and, and look to that. But other, listen, there are, we live in a culture where it's like, listen, yeah, I got married. No, we're good. No, he, there wasn't infidelity. There wasn't any abuse. There wasn't any of that. It wasn't, you know, none of this. But I just don't love him anymore. As a matter of fact, many, several years ago, there was, there was such an epidemic of wives, actually, and it swings depending on the season. Some seasons it's men, but of wives several 
about a couple years ago that they had to create a term in marriages and they called it walk away wife syndrome where a wife just I'm done I don't love them anymore yes in love there's a romance aspect of it there has to be an attraction but what happens after the attraction wears off what happens after all the years that the stomach comes out the teeth come out the eyelashes come out the hair comes out at night what happens then what I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but what happens when someone, if it's on attraction, someone more attractive? Because, l- l- listen, there is someone more attractive than you. I guarantee it. What happens? Love says, I choose to love you no matter what, no matter what happens. I choose To make my decision, I'm going to love you, come hell or high water, I'm going to love you. I don't care how far you run, I'm going to chase you down because I love you. That's what love says. Love's not always a feeling, but if you choose to love, guess what? You get the feeling. An expression of love isn't from a sense of what's going on in my heart. It's, it's from a sense of seeing the individual the way that God sees them and then acting on his truth about that person. Love is when you do the loving thing even when you don't feel like it. Love is being patient with your husband or your wife or your children when they're cranky, when they're irritable, when they're a jerk. You think, I'm, I'm, hey, just so you know, I'm choosing to love you right now. But you choose to love. For parents, it's getting up in the middle of the night when you got a, a sick kid. You, you choose it. you got to go to work the next day. It doesn't matter. You're going to love that baby. In spite of your feelings, when, when you don't feel like it, this is called true love. Acting in a loving way when you don't feel like it because you're choosing to love. So what does love look like? Love is a choice. And number two, love will last forever. This is the value of love. And Paul said we need to make our love ambition, make, make our, our ambition love. It needs to be the center of what we do in our lives. Because the only thing that will last forever, 1 Corinthians 13 says this, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and never, ever, ever fails. To say, I, I don't love that person anymore really means that your love wasn't rooted in a choice. It was rooted in a feeling. And God says love always perseveres. Persevere is, 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 not, is not a cruise in the, in, the, in the Caribbean. Persevere means no matter what, you're leaning into it and you're going to persevere. And every other life ambition is temporary. Whether it's money, 
That's not going to last forever. Whether it's fun, whether it's pleasure, whether it's, it's recognition, no matter what it is, none of it's going to last forever. The only thing that Scripture says is going to last forever is love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Invest your life into what will last forever in your relationships. Number three, the last one is this. That love is the mark of a Christian. Love is the mark of a Christian. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, which is a tall order, I understand. And I'll talk about it in just a second. So you must love one another and by this, by what? By your love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He says, all men will know that you're my disciples. Another place he says, all people will know that I am who I said I was because of your love for one another. In other words, our love is a testimony to God. It's a testimony to the goodness of Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking, how do I love like Jesus? I'm not perfect. Listen, I'm not either. That's why you need to apply the gospel in your life every day. That's why you need to receive the love of Jesus Christ in your life. That's why you need to say, God, I can't do this alone. I need you to give me the grace to love. Only he can love through you. You can't do it on your own. You can't, you can't be never impatient. You can't be never angry. You can't live like that. You can't, but by the grace of God, as you say, God, I want love to be the center of my life, you, you access God's power in your life. And only through Jesus Christ can you be that way and can you live that way. So this isn't about trying harder. This is about surrendering more so that through you, he can love in your life and in your relationships. And the first thing for us is really this. We need to begin, even after this moment, after today, we need to choose to, to love in the relationships in your family. Start thinking through the relationships. Maybe you need to seek reconciliation. Start thinking through what, what areas do I need to say, listen, I'm sorry. I haven't loved you the way that I should have loved you. I'm sorry I'm taking you for granted. I'm sorry when I walk through what love is, I, I don't take any of those off. I'm envious, I try to always prove you wrong, I'm proud, I, I, I don't persevere, I give up, and I've, I've been detached from this relationship for years. I'm sorry, I want to choose to love you. That's what you begin to do. God wants healthy relationships for you. Start trying to make things right. Ask the Holy Spirit, where do you need to deal with things in your life? And if we make love our lifestyle, if we make love a choice that we're going to express and to give and to do, it will transform our lives forever. And you do it to share God's love with people. You do it to share God's love in every other aspect of, of our lives. But the whole idea of today that love is a choice. And so I want to give you a challenge this week. I want to challenge you to choose love, I want to challenge you, go home, read 1 Corinthians 13. I want to challenge you to choose love. Before you act, before you speak, before you, no matter what, ask the question, does this line up with love? 
It doesn't mean you don't speak truth. What it does, it means that you speak truth from the foundation of love. What's my motivation? Is it to prove them wrong or is it because I love them? That's what it's about. Ask Jesus to give you the power to walk in this life that he has destined and called you to live. Called the life of love. Because God has healthy relationships for you. The relationships you're in now, he, he wants them to be healthier. And as over the next several weeks, we're going to look at what the scriptures say. What does it mean to be patient? What does it mean to be kind? What does it mean to persevere? In our, in our friendships, in our marriages, with our relationship with God, what does it mean to do all of this? But I'm telling you, the root of all of this is this powerful, amazing, significant thing called love. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.